Hello, everybody, and welcome to Starry Alignment. I am so, so excited to be here with you live, uh, considering that we only do a podcast episode about once a month these days, but I'm super, super excited to be here. My name is Stephanie Catalano, also known as Stevie Medina, and I am the host of the Starry Alignment podcast, and I'm here with my dear friend and life ally, Alula Rose, and we're going to be talking about the Sagittarius new moon and the full moon as well, the full cycle and all of the most interesting facets of the season together. So Lula Rose, I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, the third lunation in a row. And I want to give an honorable mention to our other co-hosts who might make some cameos. Hey. The magical Gaia, also known as Gummy. Yes, she's so happy. <laughs> I'm so glad Gaia is in the room. Um, she gives us such good vibes. Um, so for today's podcast, we are going to be diving into the Sag New Moon. I'm going to be working some of the tech. So if you're listening in on the podcast, you can see the visuals on YouTube and on Spotify. Um, if you're on i uh, iTunes, um, so wherever you're watching sharing, liking, subscribing, all the things really, really helps. And yeah, I'm going to share my screen. So bear me, bear with me as I change the host. If you're joining us live, we'd love to see you in the chat. Um, we're live on YouTube right now. Um, so say hello. Let us know where you're tuning in from. Um, we are tuning in from Indigenous land, which is something Alula and I wanted to talk about with Indigenous people coming up, uh, People's Day coming up. Um, so yeah, um, I am, I had to actually look it up, y'all. It's important to know who was here before you. So I am in the Wapan, Wapan, Wampan, you Wampanoag. had it a little bit. What is it? Wampanoag. Wampanoag Nation of uh, Pawtucket, Rhode Island. And those, these are the people that were here before the settlers that were here before me. And I also want to say there's got to be people before them, but with Thanksgiving coming around and um, the energy that we're going to be looking at, it seems really auspicious. I couldn't help myself. I wanted to mention it later, but yeah, I'm grateful. I think it feels important to open with that. Um, So I'll also love to acknowledge I am on the land long stewarded by the Lenape Lenape nation and um, yeah, just as astrologers that you beautifully put it, Stevie, Stephanie, as uh, we honor the relationship between Mother Earth and Father Sky, um, truly just such gratitude for the indigenous people that have stewarded this land that we now reside on and have nurtured a very ancient and deep understanding of that connection. So um, it's always important we remember this, but especially this week, I'm grateful we get to um, utilize this platform to share. Yeah, so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. I'd also love to just say I do have a resource I we could put in the caption um, once it's updated of a map that you can just plug in your um, colonized name of where you're residing and you can see who did steward the land before you. So it's a really useful tool. Yeah, um, it's powerful to bring awareness because when we say the names of these tribes, we encourage them to be seen and to stay stay alive and to thrive and to continue to share the traditions that, I mean, some native traditions are just as simple as starting a fire 
um, which in some places in around the world, people were forbidden from starting fires. I know even in upstate New York, that was part of the policy to remove people from their indigenous rights. So um, the work that we're doing is an in and of itself, um, an indigenous right, which is to practice seasonal awareness and archetypal magic and alchemy through plants and planets and um, self-empowerment. And that's really what I think uh, our indigenous ancestors have left uh, for us to know and to always embody is the truth of, you know, where we come from and what we're made of and how we're all impacted by each other. And I think ultimately um, those in alliance with indigenous people all want peace and um, healing to occur. Yeah. So beautiful. Um, I am ready to share my screen. So we can jump into the new moon in Sag. So y'all, if you are new to our uh, podcast, we, Alula and I were here uh, about a month ago. We went over last month's um, energy. So if you are a little bit um, new to astrology, you can just dive right in. If you want context, you can always go back and listen. And if you've heard some of the content we've put out, uh, I hope it was super amazing for you to integrate into the last month. I know last month we just came out of eclipses and um, this is the first new moon out of the eclipses and a new opportunity to set a new six month pattern um, related to the energy of Sag. So um, yeah, one of the things that Lula had mentioned, which I think is a fun way to connect to everybody is just to share where um, the lunations are coming up for us personally. And um, this eclipse was in my first house and my seventh house. So um, I definitely feel like post eclipse, there's a lot of change and um, just like a lot of changing in my life. I'm sorry, but I lost my screen share. I'm a little distracted. Um, here we go. Let's see if I can get it up again. So, um, yeah, with this new moon being in my first house, um, you're going to see a lot of changes in my branding and just like what I am spending a lot of my time on, um, which I'm super excited about. Um, how about you, Lula? How was this, um, eclipse for you? Woo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. I, I really, um, have learned to cherish the scorpionic energy, which makes sense why I adore you so much with your Scorpio rising goodness. Um, so whole sign, these eclipses have been in my fourth and 10th house. And there definitely is an interesting calibration happening in my world of, um, yeah, that more personal sense of grounding and, um, definitely some ancestral coding coming up, lots of awareness generationally with my family coming up and then the pull to, um, the South node currently transiting my whole sign 10th house, definitely seeing how like my public image and my, my sense of grander purpose is shifting as a result of just getting more clear on that fourth house on what really has, um, anchored, anchored my presence here on this earth right before we, I was even born, like just that sense of lineage. Deep so lineage. Oh my gosh. That's exciting. Mm. I know you've been painting a lot. So when we start to do like, even me, I was speaking Spanish a lot, you know, um, a lot of change in like how I identify. Um, but when we have these hits to the first, the fourth, the seventh, the 10th, they're literally like the most pivotal times in your life. 
So um, if you have a, um, any of the you know, four corners of your chart in a fixed sign, uh, this last eclipse series was probably really intense, but it's something that you could already feel was coming. So um, yeah, with this Sag new moon, this new moon is at the first degree of Sagittarius. Um, today, the moon, the sun moved into Sagittarius on Wednesday, 11, 22, 2022. We're recording this, um, almost at 2 PM, which is kind of funny. Um, we started at, we start, tried to start at one 11, but, um, lots of things have happened. So anyway, um, this new moon is at the first degree of, um, the sign. So this is a huge new beginning that we're coming into as a collective, and there's this like energy of infancy or like something really sacred in its newness, like coming to life in the Sagittarius season. And it has a lot of adventure to it, a lot of creativity, expansiveness, even money and luck and just having more fortune um, present itself to us from our own environment, which is um really soothing i find i think this new moon is going to be uh one that we really remember um due to a lot of different aspects in this chart yeah beautifully said i'm already feeling the influx of this energy there's just after such a heavy eclipse season um what a perfect <laughs> new moon to come out with because yeah it just feels like a restoration of hope we're finally seeing the light at the end of the tunnel so to speak um, could I take this opportunity to get into the Deccan of, oh, I would love that. I was going to pull it up. I had the feeling. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so first degree, first Deccan of Sagittarius, the sub ruler is Mercury, which is really interesting to me. Um, because the tarot, yeah, the eight of wands is the tarot card. And I've always thought of that tarot card as the, it's kind of the air element within the fire element of the wands it's the airiest and it makes sense that Mercury is the ruler of that Deccan because um, to me, like a pretty basic reading of the eight of wands is a lot of incoming messages, lots of communications, picking up pace um, and communication in a way that is very action oriented. Mm -hmm. So beautiful that we have like Mercury kind of uh, under this Deccan supporting Jupiter, the, the overall ruler of Sag. Um, yeah. So I'm, it feels good. We're like getting, we're getting moving again feeling the fire under our butts a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you, when you like cut an eight in the sky with a wand, like it's so much fun, like drawing a figure eight with a freaking sword is the most empowering feeling ever. You know, it's like, it just reminds you how much you can protect yourself. It helps you see your range of motion and it it's like inevitably a bit fun. Um, but there is this energy ironically, like when we have to protect ourselves, we can experience a bit of, um, yeah, like a lot of times we protect ourselves by thinking, which is very mercurial, you know, like trying to do everything and be everywhere. And I think I've definitely been noticing, um, learning how to, um, go with that mercurial flow. Cause you might like plan something or say you're going to do something or think something is good. And then you do a figure eight in your mind and realize actually this feels better this way. Um, 
you know, a great example I have is like, I had a therapy appointment, which actually the therapy appointment was not till next week, but I went to cancel it. Yeah. And she was like, Oh, your appointment's not till next week. Like you don't have to cancel anything. But I um, felt this like need to stay home and like not do anything more under this dark moon. I'm like, I don't need that kind of therapy right now. And it's okay that I thought I needed it. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to change. So I think there's going to be a lot of mutability, a lot of um, changing energy um, during this whole lunation, because of course the moon will align in the decan of Mercury and then it will move into the decan of the moon, which it looks like, sorry, all this graphic is like a little pixely, but we can do it. We're encrypted. (laughs) Um, But the whole imprint is that mercurial energy um, for the month. And, um, yeah, it felt so good to text my therapist and be like, Hey, sorry to cancel last minute. I'll pay you a late fee. I'll pay you like a fee for me canceling, but I want to stay home. And she's like, Oh yeah, it's great. No problem. So, um, older, you know, past version of myself would want to like keep my word and, you know, think so logically about what's best. Um, but really I would have drove to her. I would have drove to her facility and not had an appointment if I didn't just trust my gut. So I don't know why that's coming up for me to share, but I think with Sag energy, um, it moves pretty quickly. We are, we are moving with that energy of like half horse, half man, mm-hmm. half wild, half like um, domesticated. Yeah. Like we can gallop the centaur <laughs> and philosophize the human simultaneously. Um, I love that you shared about the therapy story because that purpose like that encapsulates the energy right now and uh, we're here for the authenticity yeah uh, there was a point I was gonna make and I lost it so I'll come back to it mm. oh what you said about the mutability just rang so true and the figure eight and um, just quick comedic anecdote <laughs> when you said that like waving the eight with the wand my first thought was like you're watching Disney Channel but anyway yeah. uh. <laughs> <laughs> so funny but I think that's really the Disney season it's some of the, like boisterous comedic sag energy coming through where like part of the brilliance of why um the sign of the philosopher is a beautiful sign is because the philosopher is able to embody different archetypes with ease like there's always a philosophy behind each archetypal role um so I think that changeability getting back to like I love the figure eight that came through for you Stevie because um my prediction too is like by the end of this Sag season I think a lot of us will be kind of um landing like we might even kind of go back like we might even land back on like seemingly old timelines but just breathe new life into them like I think with the eclipses, it, it can be easy to say like, oh, I just need to cut that out. And now it's like, <laughs> actually, no, wait, I want to backpedal like a little bit, right? Like, of course there is some clarity in, in letting things truly die. But um, that's why I love Sag after Scorpio season. It's just so alchemically beautiful. It's the temperance um, after the ego death, so. Yeah, it's like a lot of ego death and facing of fears with the last Scorpio eclipse on the south node. Um, I think there was a bit of like effortless release. Mm. At least for me, I was on vacation for two weeks that whole eclipse season. So I timed it right. (laughs) (laughs) 
I will say like traveling during eclipse is a, it has its own challenges, but um, yeah, I keep looking at this Venus Mercury conjunction in Sag and how the whole stellium and Sag we've got the new, well, the dark moon conjunct the sun, Venus and Mercury in Sag, all trining over to Chiron, this wounded healer energy. And I think that being comfortable with like how we heal is so prevalent under this new moon. Um, I always try to ask myself, what am I coming on to share for the podcast? Because who we are is a reflection of what the world is as well and what we're all experiencing and what we're all learning to embody. And, you know, trines always speak pretty loud because they're ruled by Jupiter and this is a Jupiter ruled new moon. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of healing that's happening. Um, I wanted to look at the essential dignities of this new moon and we do have Jupiter at home in Pisces ruling Sagittarius and it has a plus eight on the scoreboard for strength. Um, second is Saturn in Aquarius and everybody else has its um, dominion to directed right back to Jupiter and Pisces. So I pass it to my Pisces. How is this feeling for you? And yeah, I just like, I feel like you have all the Jupiter codes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think um, something that was also kind of like coming up uh, with the, like, just when you were saying the Sag trying to Chiron um, big, big, like Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey kind of energy. Like if we never leave, if we never leave that square one, we'll never get the, the rejoicing of a return. Right. So I think this trine is kind of showing us, it's like, we've, we've made it this far around the Zodiac and like Chiron and Aries really getting us to just kind of unabashedly embrace our individual selves. And that expression without some of the more heady, overthinking of, of how we express. And I think um, this fire trying like Jupiter is kind of showing us how we're encroaching back on that sense of return. Like we can, we've traversed and now we can see the horizon of like a sense of the homeland on the, on the horizon. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to get that out, but bringing it back to the Jupiter energy. <sighs> mm, I think after we've had so much Saturn in the last few years, all of this, like Jupiter, like seeing Jupiter up eight on the scoreboard, I like how you put that, is <laughs> so refreshing because observing that kind of duality between Saturn and Jupiter too, just like finally getting the rewards of expansion after a lot of contraction, we see the merit in what that contraction brought us. Because similarly, like we can never have a sense of return if we never leave, we can never truly expand if we never contract. Um, Oh boy. Yeah. What a contraction this, um, Jupiter and Pisces was for me. Um, and it wasn't what I was expecting. Hmm. You want to speak on that? Well, um, I think it's so ironic that when we talk about Jupiter, when we connect to Jupiter, we think of like abundance and expansion and space and like the largest planet in the solar system. It's huge. And, so much abundance and wisdom and 
I definitely feel super grateful for all of those things that Jupiter and Pisces has given me in this chapter, but it came with the largest contraction of my adult life. Um, and I'm super excited to see it go direct and into Aries and to like integrate this chapter. And I've also been a bit humbled by Jupiter. Mm. Um, personally in my chart, Jupiter is a malefic planet because I was born at night. And um, during the Jupiter and Pisces era, I was in a perfection of my fifth house with Jupiter and Pisces as my ruler. And I thought it was going to be like all love and bliss. And um, it, 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 it has led to that, um, but it took a lot of learning um, what, what it is not. And I just say this because I feel like as astrologers and people that explore the symbols um, or just getting started, um, the, we never really know. We're always humbled by these transits and we know, and then there's always another side. I think that's really it. There's always like a subconscious side, which is contraction that we don't expect in the expansion. Um, yeah. So anytime we feel contraction, we can really just embrace it, love it, appreciate it because it's going to bring expansion. It's like, you cannot have the expansion without the contraction. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for talking about, um, kind of the unexpected qualities too. So I can tell a little, little bit of a cryptic story time. Cause I can't like say too much, but, um, it's interesting because when Jupiter had first entered Pisces and my, my son is at one degree. So I got the Jupiter sun transit. Um, I did get a really beautiful, huge opportunity that was financially abundant for a while. And it's interesting as Jupiter is like tipping back in these last degrees of Pisces kind of cleaning up, um, I think the thing with Jupiter too, there's, hmm, let me find my words. Essentially the abundance that was granted to me in the first pass of Jupiter and Pisces is now being kind of modified and like even revoked in some ways. And I know it's all temporary and for greater alignment. Um, but I think that's just it with Jupiter. It's like the blessings can only truly stick if they're aligned. And I also want to say with, with Pisces energy, like it's so it's, I'm going to say it's the mutable of the mutables, right? It's like the cosmic soup. So if we, if we don't have integrity and a backbone of awareness, those blessings won't really stick. And that's kind of what I had to learn the hard way. It's like, while on paper to my logical mind, this opportunity was incredible. Um, I'm now backtracking and realizing like how far it pulled me out of what my personal core values are and my my beliefs. And I, I just came to like a hard stop of, I can, I cannot stay on this train any longer. Right. Like it's not, um, not the mission for me and yeah, no amount of money in the world is worth that. Exactly. Yeah. No amount of freedom, no amount of power, no amount of, um, visibility from the masses like community these large communities or opportunities that can hypnotize us um and you know this also goes to show the power of neptune with jupiter what that does and how we can you know um, learn through our relationship with illusion look at oh gaia is smacking their tail she is making a scene 
Oh. Well, she's clearing your throat and your heart up right now. It's so beautiful. Super funny too, like as she was crawling. And this is because I love her wild. I don't like to trim her nails too much. Like she's, it's, it's her nature, right? She just sliced my mercury finger, like not intentionally. She was crawling and I have this like, look at that. You just purge some blood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Final day of Scorpio season, get the blood codes, but um, just interesting. It's my mercury finger. And we were talking about that first decade of Sag. So um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. She's like, yes, ladies. Yes. Yeah. Now she's sticking her head in the lamp. This cat. <laughs> She's going so back happy to, you're home right now. Really, again, getting back to like um, indigenous wisdom of honoring the land. It's also like how we interact with our animal allies and the wisdom they have for us in these, right? These codes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something else that's showing up is um, Mars retrograde in. Gemini, um, I can find out, but do you know when Mars is stationing direct? Um, uh, yeah, I'm looking at a little chart here to see if I can find it, but I feel like that's going to happen. That doesn't happen until like the next new moon, I think. Let's Even see, after, um, it's, it's January 12th, 11th or yeah. 12th. It's a long one. Um, Wow. So the retrograde is from October 30th, which seemed, I feel like it was before that because the shadow of the retrograde was heavy. Like, and so we've got Mars retrograde in Gemini from October 30th to January 12th of 2023. So um, y'all, if you've been feeling like you need to redo like everything you ever thought about your business, everything you ever thought about your wardrobe, everything you ever thought about your diet, everything you ever thought about your workout plan, you know, especially wherever you have Gemini in your birth chart, um, everything you ever thought about resources, um, and other people's money. Like there's, there's something very, very important and powerful that's happening. Um, and I see, I keep saying the word thought because it's retrograde in Gemini, the, why am I? Yeah. The, I'm trying to think who the other ruler of Gemini is, which is, or Mercury is, which is Virgo. And Virgo is the yin expression and, and Gemini is the yang expression. So this is like what we move from is what we, what we think. So there's so much being like the action that we're taking is to kind of pick apart our thoughts and, um, change things. And, and I think a lot of the work, a lot of the thinking has been done the entire time that Mars has been in Gemini, which has been for months. Um, I want to go look at, you know, how far that's been. Holy cannoli. Mars in Gemini for the last two months, solid two fucking months. Mars has been in Gemini. Um, so we've been doing the thinking it's just right now, like we're actually taking the action on the things that we've been thinking. And it requires that we finish the retrograde and um, restructure all those things. Like it's now we're doing the work with Mars retrograde. Now we're actually, you know, changing these thoughts that we have. Um, and it's, you know, it's showing up in the way that we're acting and, and in the karma that we receive. 
Yeah, I think um, it's it's so interesting too. Like I was having a conversation with an astrologer friend last night and this came up as well. Just like Mars kind of coming through with this fat seven months day after we had the whole North Node through Gemini transit throughout. Wow. Like, yeah. So we're, we're kind of finally getting a sense of like, reorganizing after I think the North Node in Gemini was more of a scattering <laughs> energy collectively than I think anything but we but in the the magic of Gemini like we needed that scattering to now reorganize I'm trying to find <coughs> excuse me um the eclipses with oh baby <laughs> or just look at some of the energy of that time um the North Node is like originally moved into Gemini around May 20th, May 30th, May 20th of 2020. Um, so it was sooner, but yeah, like there's been, yeah, basically the beginning or the middle of May of 2020 uh, was when we really started doing a lot of this work, um, which I can definitely relate to. Mm. Um, I'm like trying to think about what's going on in my life then and. I think for me, what was most important back then um, were like the vision. There was a vision. And I think over time, which changed is like the foundation of the vision or the, the principles or the values that um, it's kind of like the concept of like putting your money where your mouth is. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're thinking things and they don't really align with your, your actual environment, a lot of things probably since May of 2020 have changed a lot to help you to make those changes, especially with the North Node out of there. It's like, okay, you learned what you needed to in that dualistic realm. And now it's more of like taking action. And we get to ground into it with the Taurus Node, bless. <laughs> yeah. Um, that being said, I wanted to point out too, just um, a couple dates we have coming up next week, like in a row. So November 28th, which should be, uh, I think next Monday. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, this upcoming Monday, Mars retrograde will be trying Saturn. Again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I think, um, the clarity is coming. Like we are about halfway through the retrograde. So um, we're not, not quite halfway, but we're getting there. We're getting there. So I think the, the Mars retrograde trining Saturn will bring a little bit more of like the, the long-term vision and the potential chaos we've been feeling. Um, and then the next day, the 29th, we have Mercury opposite Mars retrograde followed by the 30th Venus opposite Mars retrograde. So it's, it's interesting. It's like, we get that Saturn trine where there's like, there is that Jupiter, Jupiter kind of breath of, um, awareness of like short-term to long-term that's kind of how I see that but then getting that opposition to Mercury and Venus coming up um it kind of feels like Mercury and Venus are then pulling our awareness back to the now like okay what is immediately needed to do to like rectify any discord so that we can honor the vision the Saturn trine grants us yeah and then there's also the moon in Pisces squaring the opposition between Mars, Venus, and Mercury. Oh, that's cute. The 30th of November, which is a Wednesday, is going to be a very, very, very powerful day. Um, Easy day to get into fights. So 
so it, this is why astrology is so helpful because um our minds kind of they they attune to these frequencies and the frequency is of change opposition this and that you know dualistic things existing at the same time and when we resist that when we resist these truths and decisions that have to be made or leadership opportunities that we must seize we just distract ourselves with arguments and um war you know we we get we get distracted by the opposition instead of um using that opposition as a blessing so um yeah just feel into even in your own self like what's been coming up in relation to your your ability to act and your ability to manifest the material the physical um you can even imagine it as money like i think our relationship between money what we think and how we act are greatly being challenged during this month with mars ruling our action and our willpower and venus ruling money and our physical possessions and our self-esteem and then mercury ruling the mind um it's a huge opportunity to let this powerful energy direct you to the right people for the right reasons integrating all the things you've learned with jupiter in pisces retrograde for the last year and a half because these energies are also squaring off to jupiter that's now direct um i don't have the date of when jupiter goes direct um, you were about, yeah, we missed it. It's uh the the twenty fourth, so literally the day after the new moon, which is yeah, it's literally the next day because yeah, it's like crazy. Which I think that that eight points on the scoreboard that we gave Jupiter, I think just because it's stationing, we can like times that by two. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I think there's like um a way of like witnessing the major energy that's coming through that um, is a balance of like recognizing what we have to do and also just surrendering that everything that's supposed to happen is like happening. Ooh. Like uh, the, the money changes that we want, the relationship changes that we want, the connections, the people we're looking for, like, they're coming, they're here, and it's all a matter of everybody taking action at the same time. Oh, I think um, what you were saying too about like the Pisces moon squaring that opposition between Mars retrograde and Venus and Mercury. Um, I think that's part of that too. Just like, how can, how can we kind of reconcile fights? Like how much of, of the fight is really just us not being able to receive fully? Yes. Especially with Jupiter yeah. direct there too. It's just like, can we accept the gifts that are like right in front of us? That's been something, speaking of humbling with Jupiter, like that's something I've been humbled by more recently. Yeah. The North Node is getting very close to Uranus. Um, Want to see if that is like in this month. Oh, that was, um, they perfected under the eclipses, I believe. Oh yeah. Cause I'm thinking depends. I wonder if they'll have another one because I mean, Uranus is retrograde, but it can't move that fast. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's good to mention. Um, 
that um, Uranus crossed the North Node during the eclipse season. So um, there's some sort of spontaneous fate that we are now like feeling initiated towards, um, which I think is really exciting. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the Sag energy just before we um, talk about so much, so much of the minute details and move on to the full moon. Um, so I'm going to look through my Carousel Astrology book to see some of the correlations um, with this sign and the chakras. Um, Carousel Astrology is a system that um, Dr. Anthony James created. Um, he's the founder of the Soma Veda um, Institute of Integrative Medicine through the Native American Indigenous Church. And um, he wrote this really awesome book that has 52 correlations between the chakras, medicine, and astrology. So I didn't uh, bookmark this. So just give me one second. Is there anything that's coming up for you, Alula? Um, yeah. Maybe while you're you want to share. Yeah. While you're looking at that, um, and I know we'll do more Oracle later, but I am just very excited. Um, I got a new tarot deck under the Aries full moon. And until last night, I hadn't used it. Like the time to initiate it just wasn't quite yet. And now it feels perfect under the Sag new moon. And it's um, the Sufi tarot by Ada Hussein. And um, I would just love to read the first paragraph of the eight of wands card for the first decan of Sag where this new moon is taking place. Um, just to expand on that. So it says the eight of staffs, it staffs in this, but wands comes with a very clear message. Very clear. We love it. <laughs> Things are happening and they are happening swiftly. The staffs that shoot through the galaxies carry with them the fiery energy of comets that soar through the sky at breathtaking speeds. This is a card of movement, progress, and momentum of taking stock of a situation. Sometimes it represents the mind moving as quickly as arrows flying through the air. <laughs> so I just love the like Sufi poetic approach to that. But yeah, it's, again, it's that kind of, to me, it's the merging of, um, it's the air within fire, thanks to Mercury. So yeah, um, one of the things I've been exploring is like, where the heck does fire come from? It's really, oh, it's yeah. another, that's a whole other side conversation is like what a magical power fire really is and that it comes from the other elements. It exists through other elements. Where the heck? But then where the heck did water come from and where the heck does air come from? You know, what yeah. the heck? what the heck I think that's why to me like water and fire are like the primordial energies because there is this ancient sense of them like existing without the alchemy of other matter um but yeah in the earthly realm we reside on now where the heck it literally fire comes from the sun heat heat like we know fire as native people, like when we lived on the land, because there would be like a forest fire started by dry leaves. And then we were like, oh, like, what the heck is that? Like, let's make a fire. How do we do that? Let's see. You know, so it's crazy. So I found um, the correlations for Sagittarius season. So according to this lineage, um, the season of Sagittarius is felt within the fourth chakra. It's common name of the fourth chakra is the heart. 
Um, the Sanskrit name is the Anahata. Mm. And the, in, the interpreted meaning is unstricken. So to expand, to not have restriction. Um, it's the traditional symbol is a 12 petaled lotus flower facing down mm. of the fourth chakra of the heart. The color is green and pink. Uh, its location on the spine is the fourth thoracic vertebrae. The prominent sense is touch from the heart. The sense organ is the skin. The work organ is the hands. Uh, the glands is the pituitary anterior. And the function of the glands associated with this chakra directly to stimulate the thyroid, the adrenals, the ovaries, and contributes to the sex organs, to the sex organs, organs, and hormones. Um, so you could think about how our heart connects to, you know, our flight or flight response, um, our sexual drive and our hormones. Um, the chief subsidiary parts are the heart, the lower, the lower thong, lung, the chest, the breasts, the thoracic vertebrae, the respiratory system, and the skin. I love some of these extra parts because there's literally 52 of them, but this is a fun one is mantra, like mantras to say. Um, and the first one is yam. So that's, these sounds can get you in your heart. So yam, kong, kong, gong gang, yang, jong, tang. So basically like all these, um, 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 it gets you all in your heart. Um, but the first one is yam in all caps, like yam. Um, yeah. The music therapy is majestic, uplifting, romantic and harmonious and sentimental. Yeah. And I do, when I think of like sad season, I think of like rock and roll music in a way, or like just <laughs> this like rebellious, like it's cold out, but we're still going to like uplift ourselves. Or it could be like music that's like in a forest, like enchanting music feels very sad. <laughs> yeah. I think of like, like drums a lot. Yeah. Um, it's funny you say that because like yeah the rock and roll but like hard expression I'm thinking of kind of like 80s like like journey like rock power ballads that are just like heart <laughs> or the band heart too it's funny yeah the mudra is open hands it's funny because we were talking about all of this Jupiter energy earlier I kept going like this I was like yeah <laughs> yeah that's literally like the mudra is to hold your hands up to the sky um, which is so powerful. Um, this says basic being self abandoning of being. Okay. Not sure what that <laughs> means deeply, but self abandoning of being basic being. I think it's like this energy of Sag that like knows it's beyond itself. It's one of the things I realized when coming on to do this podcast is like, realizing that the work that I'm doing is way beyond myself, right? way beyond like one facet of like self-fulfillment, um, self-abandoning of being. So it's like abandoning the idea of self and creating that, that merge of the wild 
merge of everything outside of ourselves becoming less selfish. Yeah. And it's, it's like, uh, the enlightenment that Sagittarius brings too. It's like, we have to be aware of self before we can self abandon (laughs) or at least acknowledge that that's what is unfolding, I guess you could say. But it's funny, like self-abandon, um, quick, quick story time. It just feels relevant. Uh, when I was visiting our dear friend and soul sister, Hope, we were like using, yeah, shout out to her. Hope was on our our last podcast. Uh, she's amazing. So shout out to Hope. Yeah. AkashaYogaInstitute.com. Okay. Yeah. Go check it out. Come (laughs) meditate in the morning. Free every day, 8.30, AkashaYogaInstitute.com. (laughs) Um, and yeah, she's such an incredible yoga teacher in many ways, but specifically we were using some yin yoga support techniques. And um, I was just explaining like my my Chiron and Leo tends to manifest like between my, sh- I was like, oh, there's like this knot between like, it's under my shoulder blade in the back. And like, I feel it under my breast. Like it's right in the middle there on the left side. And she's like, Alula, that's your heart. I'm like, oh, right. So it's just funny, like the heart energy is coming up and it's, I think again, after kind of this intense scorpionic release we've had, that's been very more like the lower chakras, very guttural, very like physical purging, um, to reignite the heart space and like, remember what that is, is so, so special. So, yeah. Wow. Just a funny story to tell. Like I, yeah self-abandoning of being it's also like I will not identify with this as a not anymore I identify with this as my heart it's like an abandoning of these mental constructs that are with us but maybe we need to change the program so so interesting it's interesting that sad season starts with that invitation to rethink what you believe yeah. And then it moves into the moon decan, which is like, okay, now how does that feel? And then it moves into the Saturn decan, which is like, can you live with that as your foundation of self? Mm-hmm. And by that point, you're already so much more mature. Right. Um, the attribute of positive negative is devotion and generosity versus restlessness and vanity. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, that feels so amazing. Devotion and generosity versus restlessness and vanity. Mm-hmm. Generosity versus vanity. You know, that's something I've really been thinking about too. That's why I have no makeup on, oiled my skin, my hair braided it. You know, like it's not about how we look. Um, it's about, you know, the intention behind what we're doing. And that's, that's been really big for me. Um, you brought that up. Cause like, uh, especially with this Mars retrograde and Gemini, like the reconciling of paradox as well. Like um, I wanted to say this too, like at the time we're recording this, I have Venus and Mercury uh, transiting my Sagittarius midheaven. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. Like for me, it's been um, reapproaching like my adornment and my radiance from a place that does feel like not vain. Um, but like th- that paradox of like the same frequency expressing itself in oppositional ways, like we're illuminating that right now, which is really cool. Um, yeah, it's generous to be the highest, most beautiful version of yourself. 
Right. If it, if it's from like adornment and beauty and honor and ritual rather than, yeah, the like flamboyance or like creating expectation. Like if I show up this way, then I will receive this because I'm, because I, you know, I'm worthy of it. Right. Um, Yeah. It's interesting. Also devotion versus restlessness. Mm. Um, There is, you know, um, a sense of restlessness. I have, I have someone in my life that was telling me like literally said yesterday, like I have this restless energy. Can't like, I'm just restless. And the, the antidote to that is just to fall back into devotion. Yeah. I feel like it's that energy of like, uh, if you think of the centaur and like a horse man, (laughs) like that horse (laughs) must be pretty like restless. Like doesn't know how to lay down, <laughs> wants to just like keep <laughs> running and like being busy. And the other, the other human side where the heart is, is like, you know, like you can actually go slow. There's so much, there's a gift to that, you know, just awareness of the moment that you don't have to be doing so much. It's well, okay, wait, I'm having like a weird download. I really want to see like a chakra map on the body of a centaur because where the heart, the horse's heart would be is where the man's like genitals would be. So that's interesting as well. It's like um, kind of that the Mars like penetrating energy uh, is replaced by a heart on the horse's body. Am I making mm-hmm. sense here? But just more yeah. of like a, a primal sense of direction coming from the heart as well. Like um or maybe it's the temperance and like the ascension of the more animalistic primal urges to come from a heart-centered place especially coming out of scorpio season my goodness yeah (sighs) okay so it says the result of unsatisfied karma to be reborn as a saintly person devotee healer spiritual artist reformer medicine man or woman shaman doctor or therapist Hmm. uh super interesting um so wherever you have Sagittarius in your birth chart this is going to speak to the kinds of energy that you bring to that area of life um so ironically my second house of how I make my money is in Sagittarius and you know I feel really connected to being a therapist as how I make my money but if you have Sagittarius in your 10th house um, of career, you might not be a therapist or maybe you are, but how people remember you is that of a medicine person, someone that's very spiritual, someone that works to create reform. The 10th house is more about like, you know, the legacy that you leave, like an imprint. Um, so each house has its own, you know, flavor. Like if your 11th house is in Sag, you might be surrounded by, you might like community of therapists and shamans and saintly people. Those are the kinds of communities that you seek out um, and so on. So I just like, I wish we had, I'm actually working on um, having local uh, meetups inside of this building that I'm in right now um, because there's just so much information that we can explore when we're really like diving into our own personal charts. Um, And I know that when we talk so broadly about these signatures that um, we can kind of like glaze over how personal it can really get. So I definitely encourage you to check out your chart and how, um, whatever house that is in, 
um, relates to some of these themes for you personally. Um, the activity is movement and attaining balance of above and below and the emotions. So yeah, um, feels really relevant. I'm going to close out with some of the stones and herbs. Yeah. And yeah, I'm trying to see if there's anything else here that's like standing out. Um, yeah, so the gemstone is rose quartz, um, emerald, and pink sapphire. And some of the herbs are anise seed, blood, bloodwort, chervil, dandelion, uh, fig tree, heart's tongue, hyssop, liverwort, myrrh, and thorn apple. And the animal characteristics is behaves like an antelope. <laughs> and um, the yoga is bhakti yoga, which is the devotional, which is devotional yoga. Um, and that's what's cool about each of the chakras and, and, and just yoga in general is that there's different ways of practicing yoga to open our chakras that are not always just through asana or, or pranayama or breath work. Um, bhakti yoga is just acting out of devotion. That is another major form of healing that we can we can practice hmm. i think yeah the devotion being so critical to like liberate us out of the restlessness vibration that that like a, a shadow side of sag can have as you mentioned from that book um and it's just like true like when we're when we're truly devoted to something that's aligned with our heart there's no greater freedom again and it's so funny like just this this theme that keeps wanting to come through me of like the mars in gemini retrograde um bringing up the, that reconcil reconciliation of paradox uh so i think devotion and freedom are there right like when we really contemporary that we'll never be freer yeah so beautiful i wonder um how pisces versus sag is different um, and it's so funny that you said that water and fire, are like the primordial elements and they're both ruled by Jupiter. Um, so yeah, that's coming up. Cause I know it's interesting. Your second house is in Pisces and my second house is in Sag. Oh yeah. And, um, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a small difference, but it's distinct. These little changes in archetypes. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for the Pisces um, re reference in this book. So the Pisces in this book is the seventh chakra and the crown energy. And the result of unsatisfied karma is to no longer be subject to the turning of the wheel of karma. Um, it has themes of life and death, birth and rebirth, no bonding with suffering, attaining nirvana when leaving the physical body infinity so you know if we apply that to this example of like the second house it's like helping people in that way of moving through life and death and that's what i feel like is so easy for me to talk to you on the podcast because we're literally just talking about the karmic wheel and um how it is relevant to us <laughs> mm. Mm. thank you for that 
Yeah. Is there anything you want to share um, about the difference you feel between these signs or yeah, anything you want to close with for this lunation? Because I feel pretty, I feel pretty complete with some of my explorations. Yeah, the new moon feels very, very complete. Um, it is interesting being like having my sun and Mercury in Pisces and then my midheaven and North Node in Sag. There is that like differentiation of the Jupiter energies. And um, it's really interesting to me as well that, that even though they're ruled by the same sign, they are square. So there is like a, a sense of friction, I think, on the earthly realm between the understandings of Sag and Pisces. But um, hmm. I think Sag, talking about like motion and movement, I think the Sag side of Jupiter like really is more of a physical expansion. To mm. me. And like the, the Pisces Jupiter is more of the psychic expansion. Yeah, the activity for this for Pisces is transfiguration versus emotion versus movement. It's like movement starts in Sag and then the transfiguration, the psychic enters in Pisces. Yeah, yeah. It's the difference too of like, if we just get, and, and I was guilty of this in my younger years, if we just get like stuck in Pisces without ever moving, we can like kind of like turn into a corpse if we're if we're too still but like coming to Pisces after the movement and the fire that Sag brings it's like the difference of when you finally get to Shavasana at the end of a, a long yoga practice versus if you just said I'm tired I'm gonna lay on the floor right now you know it feels different in your body the type of stillness so um, I think Pisces gets a lot of its merit from from that movement that uh, Sag brings. Yeah, it says that the qualities of design in, in the Pisces realm is radical forms and swirling spirals. And then the other thing is that the yoga practice is all forms of yoga practice at their highest level. Native American sun dance, vision quest, sweat lodge, or fasting. And when you were speaking about like kind of just like remain like ending up on the floor from the transfiguration that you're doing, like when we're fasting, we're letting things go like physically, but we can't even see what's being let go of. And um, yeah, the movement, the, the sun dance that's being encouraged, like the movement allows for the transfiguration, the energy to, to change. But the change comes from that Pisces place of the yin, mm -hmm. of the unknown. We don't know where it's going, but it's going. Right. And same yeah. thing with the Sag mutability. We don't know where it came from, but it's clearly here to be moved. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And I think Pisces is the comfort of like everything comes and returns, like comes from and returns to the void. <laughs> so like, mm -hmm. even though the action of like birth or movement is obviously yang, um, it's really the yin that initiates it behind the, the seat, the, yeah, behind the scenes um, backstage, mm -hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Beautiful. And I, I'm trying to remember the original Sima Mundi, which would have Jupiter and Pisces, right? Oh, because the Thima Mundi is the, the, the planets in their home signs. I'm thinking. Yeah, it's a Funny, I haven't like looked at it. Cancer rising. 
I think that's that's the whole thing about the Thema Mundi, yeah, is that these planets are in their places. So the Thema Mundi is the birth chart of the world, according to um, the original text of Hermes Trismegistus, and Jupiter is in Pisces in that chart. Um, it's interesting. So the one the one I just pulled up um, only has it on like the Cancer through Capricorn, and then Aquarius through Gemini are empty with rulership. But yeah. Where is Jupiter? In Sag. So it's, yeah, it's Cancer rising with the moon there. And then Sun in Leo, second house, um, Mercury in Virgo, third house, Venus in Libra, fourth house, Mars in Scorpio, fifth house, Jupiter in Sag, sixth house, and then Saturn in Capricorn, seventh. And then- Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. That's super, because I'm like, that's why I say I think, because I'm like, want to make a reference to it. So that's relevant. The birth chart of the world then is um, Jupiter and Sag. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. Which I guess makes sense why like later on astrologers added the outer planets upon discovery and um, Pisces got slapped with the Neptune label too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There are more of those distant outer planets, which our outer world can sometimes feel that way. Like our inner world is so, so familiar to us. Like all the planets below the horizon, like saying that we are all born of this energy where our inner, our inner compass is the most, is the loudest. And the outer one is what feels like so distant and our career, our philosophy, our community, um, the resources we have, the relationships we have are all, um, you know, like something that we create through our faith through going into the unknown and um, yeah, just like making that journey. So thank you. I feel silly that um, my astrology was wrong there, but this is why we have friends and references as well. Y'all <laughs> like you're right on the, like traditional rulership of like that mirror for sure. Yeah. So the Gemini full moon is a whole nother <laughs> thing. Um, this new moon is with the moon exactly whole we smokes conjunct mars retrograde and gemini like it's literally 16 degrees 16 degrees the moon and mars retrograde opposite the sun at 16 degrees sag so it's literally like mid sag season um beginning of sag season like this is such like a uh it feels so like connected to the beginning of something and the midpoint of something it's like those those stages within the season is so clear it's not like the new moon is like way through the month or something or it's like late degrees it's very early degrees that we're working with yeah Ooh. yeah is there anything you want to share about this uh this chart that you see here <laughs> i mean yeah i think we'll we'll feel it when we get there. yeah but i'm trying find uh, the reference for Gemini here in the book okay yum let me pull up the oh, yeah I'll pull it up for you so right um it's really interesting because the the second decan of Gemini where Mars retrograde will be conjunct this full moon is the sub ruler is Mars so Mars is also getting a little bit of an extra boost here despite its retrograde status um, and the tarot card would be nine of swords, which, um, mm, 
to me, the nine of swords is like, actually let's reference the Sufi tarot again. Sounds good. It's so fitting. Like all of this, like uh heart topic coming up because like the Sufi is very much heart-based. So mm. um, yeah, nine of swords, just the first paragraph says nine of swords shows us the power of the mind. In our card, we see a man sitting up in the bed in the middle of the night with swords, his thoughts circling ominously above his head like a tornado. His troubles have not been externally imposed. He suffers under the weight of his own repressed thoughts and emotions. Mystics believe that our unaddressed shadows, unresolved wounds, and outstanding fears manifest themselves in our sleep or lack of it. Interesting. Worrying is praying for your worst fears to come true as the energy we attach to each worrying thought multiplies and attracts more circumstances to reinforce the worry. So yeah, I guess the bright side of this card is like, will be made very readily available of it. And I'm, I'm grateful that this card, even though it's swords and it is air, it's mental, um, that this, this book specifically says like, um, the, uh, the, the person on the card suffers under the weight of his own repressed thoughts and emotions. So the moon too, I think, especially highlighting the latter. Um, yeah, that feels pretty potent. Yeah. Do you so have any fitting for Gemini. Yeah. And mid, mid and Gemini, like how, how a Gemini can work against itself, which Mars sometimes does. Is it just like, causes us to focus on war worry frustration mm -hmm. um and it is just like overthinking over it's and overthinking is becomes stressful when that thinking has a has a cue of worry because like if you're designing something you need to think it through like there really is no such thing as overthinking something <laughs> You might just choose to like relax and then continue to think about it later. And I think that's a really good strategy during this season, um, especially as we come closer to um, the full moon is um, to remember that worry, like that was so powerful that worrying will only amplify your greatest fear. Whereas it'd be the opposite, you amplify, you amplify that. Yeah. And again, going back to like what was coming up with the new moon chart too, of just um, mm, like not blocking our own blessings. Can we receive what's right in front of us? And I think this full moon will really illuminate that. Like in what ways has our worry blocked what's literally at our doorstep? Um, and just from a scientific perspective too, like the heart literally has its own electromagnetic field. So when we let our mental anxieties of like the how, the linear time, the, the fears and the what ifs of like probability and we get away from letting the heart lead, um, it, it literally changes the freak, like physically, scientifically changes the frequency we're putting out. So yeah, absolutely. It's not even just woo woo, like science is finally catching up to this. Yeah, so I think this was a really good opportunity for us to all just take a visionary moment and imagine what is our greatest worry? And then what is the true antidote of that worry? Like, what is the thought that counterbalances the truth of that worry? 
And how can you be a witness to this dynamic that happens in our minds and stay on the side of, you know, what you want versus what you worry about. Um, and I think that's really the challenge of the season. And with Mercury having moved into Capricorn, it looks like the day before. Well, let me, yeah, the let me day be- yeah, it's the day before on December 6th. And then the new moon is on December 7th at 11.08 PM Eastern time. Um, which is a Wednesday. So in the first full week of December, we have this full moon ruled by Mercury in Capricorn. Um, And Mercury in Capricorn is going to help us to make a lot more decisions that are much more grounded and rooted. Um, When Mercury is in Sag all the way up to December 6th, this is a really fun time to just like get to know people, be more social, um, explore, you know, connecting people with your emotions, through your actions. But once we get with Mercury and Capricorn and Saturn being in Aquarius, I think that we're all basically establishing a networks that we're meant to be a part of and how we play a serious role within those networks and how we can use our communication to, you know, create executive order to fulfill the life that we really want um, because Aquarius energy is a collective consciousness. Um, So I'm excited to see this energy coming about. I have a Capricorn stellium and my Mercury, my Mercury return is coming up. So I'm all for this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think the the good start of the the good side of Mars too. Um, here giving us kind of the chutzpah and the courage to to get out of those traps you know it's like there is yes there's the side that's more volatile um it's funny my fears just manifested (laughs) with a bank notification (laughs) so yeah scarcity being a big one of mine in a literal financial financial way um but but mars here i think it's like can we let ourselves feel our emotions with this full moon big enough to actually like get up and do something about it yeah exactly that's so important because sometimes our minds just win um and we really lose time like our life is so precious mm, it we really can do whatever is. we want with it but we have so much opportunity um, and just makes, yeah, go ahead, babe. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, I wanted to just refer to the yoga, the rep, the, the remedy of the yoga for this season because, okay. but before I go into all these correlations, what were you going to say? Oh, uh, just noticing like also this full moon, we have like Jupiter's direct at the final degree of Pisces. So this is the last time we're also getting a peak of the Jupiter and Pisces energy for at least the next about 18 years, right? (laughs) Exactly. Jupiter and Pisces energy is so powerful right now. So this is that last punch too, of like maybe letting some of that more psychic quality, um, serve as a kind of an outlet. Yeah, because we have both Jupiter and Pisces and Saturn and Aquarius, like both of these very strong outer planets um, in their domicile at home. Um, Mercury 
Mm. Mercury doesn't have any kind of exaltation in Capricorn, right? Am I? Uh, I don't believe so. Yeah. Whoa. My phone is dying, so I hope that it can stay alive until we need it. Um, um, yeah, I don't know why I thought that Mercury, it's Mars in Capricorn that is an exaltation on Mercury. Um, but yeah, like I was saying on the scoreboard here, Saturn and Saturn and Jupiter are very strong right now. Um, we should say that, you know, the sun has a zero on the score. So, you know, I think it's like interesting to consider as well. Like there's a lot going on and I find it interesting that in the Northern hemisphere, it starts getting cold and we have to literally eat like warming foods to increase the vitality of our sun of, you know, the season that we're in. And I think it's um, really soothing to remember how to take care of yourself during this, these times. And as the seasons change, like how you can stay warm if you're in a cold place or how you can, you know, um, embrace the sun if you're in a hot place. Um, but definitely like not forgetting the importance of maintaining your own inner fire during this time. Um, because if we're not really nourishing ourselves well and getting enough fats and proteins, um, that can also just be like, get us really in our minds. Um, and, and can, yeah, just disconnect us to the physical, the nourishment that, that we'll need during this time as, um, this energy squares off with Virgo, right? Like Sag is in a square with Virgo Pisces. Um, so yeah, attuning to your emotions and also like the physical stuff and, um, nourishment that comes from earth. So grounding is also an important one. Um, my partner and I were talking about getting like an ice bath in the house. Um, yeah. we want to do like ice therapy, but the truth is that it's going to get really cold outside. So you might as well go outside in like earth and eventually put yourself in the snow. And I think our bodies just naturally begin to pick up on some of these new um, rituals that we have when this, when the seasons change. Yeah. I've even been trying to practice like with my thermostat at home. Um, yeah. like in the winters, letting it be a little colder, letting myself wear a sweater. And then, you know, in the summer, not blasting the AC so much and being with the natural. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's so important. I've been like freezing, but it, by freezing, I make cacao. I make oatmeal. I make soup. I make bone broth. If I, if I'm just sitting there in 80 degree weather inside my house, like in my head, <laughs> I'm completely disconnected to what's actually going on. Um, which is my, uh, soul's need to adapt to where the sun is. And that, that can be, that can give us so much more clarity than we even realize just allowing ourselves to be nourished by the right things. Um, so yeah, that can help us a lot with that inner mental and emotional process that we're, we're alchemizing with. Um, I guess it's a good time now to talk about some of the correlations of the season. So in the lineage of the Carousel astrology, um, the gem, the 
chakra connected to Gemini is the third chakra, which is the solar plexus or the navel, your belly button, um, the Manipura. Um, this is also known as the city of jewels where your belly is. Um, and the form is a triangle. So you can take your pointer finger and your thumb and place it right over your belly and have this energy of centering um, over your belly. And that, like even that, like creating this triangle, triangle and putting it over your navel, like you can really feel the magic of like what we think versus who we are in our physical body and how we can bring those two together just from mudras and awareness. Um, the location on the spine is the eighth thoracic vertebrae. The dominant sense is sight. The sense organ is the eyes. The work organs are the feet and the legs. Um, the associated glands are the thyroid. And its function is to regulate heat and the combustion of energy. Um, important, because I was saying that the season just like naturally brings our awareness to how we can regulate heat and not get too cold. Um, the chief subsidiary parts are the upper lumbar vertebrae, the stomach, the gallbladder, the liver. So doing a lot of cleansing during this time is, is helpful. Um, the diaphragm, deep breathing, the digestive system, um, yin movements, like you were saying, Lula, um, small intestines and the auto autonomic nervous system. Um, the mantra for the uh, Maripura is Ram. Ram, 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 or Dong, or Berlong, or Pong. Um, yeah, the musical therapy is well-ordered, graceful, and intellectual music. Um, there's even like examples of like what tones to play, which is fun, or what instruments to play. Um, the mudra is a pointing finger up toward the sky. So just your pointer finger up toward the sky. Um, the quality of the element is radiance. The basic being is shaping of being. Shaping of being through the third chakra, the, the navel, this pointing finger. The attribute is of radiance and perceptiveness versus anger and manipulation. Woo! Radiance versus anger. <laughs> oh, fire, right? It's the fire. Um, oh. I just want to say, it's so interesting. The mudra, like modern society has adopted this to be like, literally like I'm number one, I won. And that's that solar plexus. Like it, it, it can be that kind of competitive quality can be done in a healthy way when we're uh, competing with ourselves, I guess, right? To be better, to channel our radiance, to transcend anger. Ooh. feeling it. It's just so interesting because I personally, I have Mars and Capricorn conjunct my Venus opposite my moon and that's Mars in its exaltation. So I really work with the energy of anger a lot. Um, and it's so powerful to recognize like how we can embody anger with the intention of being like, what we really want is radiance. Yeah. And it's so powerful to just do some self-guidance and say, I want to be seen. I want to be radiant. I want to be full. I want to be the fire and to be the fire in a more um, intentional way um, can save you so much heartache and 
um, undoing. Cause you know, like when we stress ourselves, we really like undo ourselves, you know, like we, we complicate our own existence. Um, and that's why doing some of these philosophical practices can really help us to be more centered. Um, looks like my phone, I'm going to try one more time to share my screen, but it might be getting tired, <laughs> which is fine. Um, let us know if you're still here in the comments, like comment, if you're here with us live, we'd love to see, even though we're not looking right now, it'll room us up a lot later. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So I just felt like, I think mentioning our humility and how we relate to certain things can be really powerful sometimes. Um, because this is like the human journey is to kind of move through some of these things. Another one is the perceptiveness versus manipulation. Mm. Yeah. I think with Mars and Gemini retrograde, um, and how you were saying the North node there, like there's a lot of karmic stuff that we're working out in our relationships about uh, this difference between manipulation and being perceptive. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the shadow side of like Mars transiting Gemini can be kind of wanting to like test that's like a form of manipulation. Um, yeah. Can I, so while you were sharing all of that gorgeousness about the solar plexus and all of this energy, there's a quick meditation I'd love to share. Beautiful. Sure. Okay. Um, so shout out again to hope for teaching me this one, but it's specifically for the solar plexus and, um, it's in Kundalini yoga. I don't know the proper name for it. So sorry about that, but it's coming up to be shared. So we'll honor that. Uh, we have the hands, the palms pressing together in front of the navel. And then we have our eyes just barely open, gazing at the tip of our nose. And this is a gaze for prosperity. So that feels pretty aligned right now as well. And if you're someone like me, like I notice my um, fire is one of the elements that like quickly diminishes in me. I'm very like water heavy. Um, so a lot of my anger comes through a sadness initially until I get below it and like connect to it. So this really helps me build up this chakra. Um, so yeah, hands together right in front of the solar plexus, eyes barely open, gazing at the tip of the nose for prosperity. And we just chant hummy hum, brum hum, hummy hum, brum hum. And as we do, we gently kind of push the, the palms together more firmly. And with each push of the palm, we are kind of pulsating our solar plexus. So sort of the diaphragm. So just to show really quickly, ideally, I like to do this one for 11 minutes. Uh, it's been a while though. So I'll just show it for like 10 seconds. Hummy hum, brum hum, hummy hum, brum hum, hummy hum, brum hum, hummy hum, brum hum. And when we do this for like 10 minutes or 11 or however long you want to, you can do it up to 31, I believe, um, in the Kundalini practice, but it very much trans inducing and you just feel the like mechanics of your body building that internal fire and um i find when i was practicing it regularly it just like helps the body do that automatically right <laughs> we're warming up that mechanism so yeah thank you i just wanted to share that one it's a good one
I love mantra, kundalini, mudra. Like, I love it so much. I think um, I'm so I'm so excited that you just said that. <laughs> I was doing it with you, and it felt so good. Um, just to kind of move along with um, some of these other correlations, um, the desire is achievement, immortality, authority, name, and fame. Hmm. Immortality name. Yeah. Immortality. I'm sitting on that immortality juxtaposed with authority. Mm-hmm. Achievement well, is like this whole idea of like what we're doing is beyond ourselves because if you pass away and you're, you're immortal, like even if you die, you're still alive, you're still alive because of the work that you did while you were alive and the work that you do through your soul is part of a collective Mm. like your soul is is immortal Mm. Mm -hmm. and your soul is here to do things that are beyond just your ego and that's what makes us immortal yeah it was immortality versus what what was the comparison authority so that's so funny because also just thinking of like the the philosopher wow philosopher archetype of sag um, you know, just so many legends of like the philosopher's stone and immortality coming from that alchemy. Um, yeah. And then authority, like to me being Saturn and then being kind of opposing forces. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah. The activity is vision, hard labor and organization. Hard labor. <laughs> wow. I needed to hear that second one. Hard labor. Same. I was like, mm-hmm. Because I feel like with Gemini energy, this is Gemini and Virgo energy, right? Because Gemini energy keeps us in the vision. And I, and we always think about Virgo and organization, but there is this element of hard labor that happens. <laughs> yeah, we're reaping the harvest. Like we are tilling the land. We are plucking berries. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So in the third and the third chakra that's also like the the, where the abs begin and nobody has abs nobody stays fit unless they are working for it (laughs) so um yeah it's like so it's so life can be so easy like some of the things that we want we can just um take the steps that we know that we need to take and then they will happen i was listening to an artist this morning that was like a filmmaker and he's apparently very successful according to YouTube and he had some advice. So I was just listening while I was like cooking breakfast. And one of his, you know, life advices was that, you know, he was saying he was very shy growing up and throughout his career, but there was a time in around his thirties, maybe a little younger where he felt like he wanted to give up and he was just so defeated by trying to express his art. And he eventually just got to the point where he decided that he's better off just doing what he knows he's supposed to do than like worrying about if it'll amount to anything. And all he did was focus on like what he, you know, what, what he knows in his higher self he should do. Mm-hmm. So even though it was uncomfortable for him, um, he did the hard work. He followed the vision. He did the hard work. He organized his mind and just did the work, you know, um, so that's, that feels really grounding to some of this like big full moon Gemini energy. I think some of the like playful energy of Sag too, like the earthly expression 
um, I believe this has already been made explicit, so I'll just say it. But like when I think of Sag, like one of the memes that's been going around a lot is like, if you never fuck around, you'll never find out, right? That's okay. so that's you know what I mean. <laughs> like that's so Sag to me. It's like uh, there is a wisdom in the maybe seemingly more reckless side, but it, it's more of like a a willingness and a lack of like mental boundary but like Sag to me is like they're the first ones to just go to work and make it fun they don't second guess like you know I don't know does that make sense it makes it fun that, that makes a lot of sense yeah had a lot of karmic relationships with Sagittarius men and there's like uh that's one of the more endearing qualities you know that my youthful self was drawn to definitely I definitely think I've met a lot of Pisces and a lot of Sages that just like you know, like go with the flow and see the opportunity, even when it's some people might not like, they're so optimistic. Yeah. I think Pisces, again, the, the, the balance of Jupiter Pisces is the like, uh, go with the flow. I'm going to float on my tube down the lazy river. And Sag is like, I'm going to cartwheel down this hill. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. Um, that's really funny. Yes. I love that. <laughs> I Sag also- Yang, you know, Wants a cartwheel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go ahead. What, what were you going to say? Um, <laughs> I, to, I know we're going to do more Oracle again later. I'm just so, I'm like falling in love with this deck slowly. But just yeah. to look at, we talked about the the decans and like those tarot cards, but the sign of Sag and the major arcana being reflected in temperance. Um, I would just mm-hmm. love to read a little bit of this. Yeah. So... Um, temperance in traditional tarot is a card about balance, patience, and a form of acceptance that connects us to our angelic nature. It points to the benefits of creating equilibrium, not just between the inner and the outer, but also between emotion and logic. Here we go with this full moon. Um, the spiritual and the physical and earth and water. The being we see stands half in water and half on land, balancing the material with the ether consciousness connected to the higher realms and bringing the two into perfect harmony until they merge. It teaches us to blend dualities and bring together that which may seem disparate, 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 disparate. As the Sufis say, God is to be found where opposites meet. Here's our reconciliation of paradox. (sighs) Yeah, like the things that we have to correct are only there because it's meant to be there. Yeah. 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 That was a beautiful transmission. This deck. Yeah, it's it's exciting to get a new deck because um yeah, it feels like the right time. Um so I just wanted to peek. Can we move on from the full moon? Do you feel complete with this? Um, yeah, I just wanted to say a couple more correlations. Um, Please, yeah. See if I can share my screen to show the chart. I have the mantra in my head now. Um, okay, so the last thing I want, well, not the last, but one of the things I wanted to mention was the results of the unsatisfied karma. For the Gemini Virgo axis here in the third um, is to be reborn as a king 
royalty, administrator, political leader, chief, or elder. Um, so like we mentioned, I mentioned this because this is sort of the energy, the highest energy, the highest frequency of this full moon is like one of royalty, one of being a chief, a political leader, one that can handle like, it's funny that Donald Trump just announced that he's, you know, rerunning re to become president. And when he was president, um, you know, um, we all know about his presence and he's a Gemini and, um, you know, a real political leader is of that of the highest vibration of Gemini or Virgo. Um, and it's because there's this vision, the willingness to do the work and the willingness to be organized so that it, it maintains itself. So um, just calling that in, in your own life and how you can be um, the chief executive of your life from a wise perspective. That's what it has this energy of like elderly, like what would your grandparents tell you? Or what would future generations of grandparents tell you? That's a really fun way to kind of assess reality because sometimes when we think about what our, our current, you know, past ancestors would say, um, it's like, oh, they don't relate to the context I'm in. But if we think about the future, like what would my, what would my kids, kids, kids say about what I should do now? Um, and how, what's going to support their kids. Now you can really build and be a real leader, you know? So that's beautiful. Thank you, Aquarian queen for that, uh, time warp. Yeah. Yeah. So many time warps in my mind all the time. <laughs> um, the other thing is that the gemstones are agate, adventurine, jasper, pumice, citrine, gold, peridot. This is peridot. This is a green peridot, um, which recently came to my life. And it's like, wow, peridot is so strong um, and beautiful. And also tourmaline. The aromatherapy is lavender, rosemary, and bergamot. And some of the herbs are caraway, wild carrots, cow parsnip, dill, fern, fennel, all these warming like soups. Like I think of that when I see these herbs. Um, hazelnuts. Um, licorice, mulberry, um, olive, spurge, valerian, and winter savory. The characteristics of the third chakra is the cobra, like the animal that it relates to is the cobra. So that like rising snake. And then finally, the, the yoga is karma yoga. So to be willing to like give back and to um, provide service to others without, um, I mean, obviously there's always an exchange, but it's like, it's kind of like doing pro bono work or knowing that if you work for free, if you give of yourself, if you volunteer, if you extend a hand to those that are in need, um, and also to those that have helped you, I think of like karma yoga and like yoga studios, right? Like you give to the yoga studio because the yoga studio gives to you, um, you give in that, like, you don't have a yoga membership. You don't pay to go to class, but you might clean the studio or provide some administrative support. So within your networks, within your political aspects of your life, the way that you can um, achieve what you're looking for is to practice more of that karma yoga as well, um, which is that I know that the work I'm putting in now um, you know, I'm almost indebted to. So you want to, you want to give of yourself in places where that, that you're, you're receiving that reciprocity with ease. 
um, so that the karma you receive in doing your yoga is positive versus manipulative or something of a shadow. Oh, yeah, true reciprocal community. And I think too, just going back to the slow burn of, of Uranus and Taurus changing up our sense of currency, like I, everything you just shared rang so true of getting back to um, that reciprocity of karma yoga and um, mutual service really cuts out the middleman that is currency, like in so many ways we can um, realign. Totally. Value. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So that was pretty much all I wanted to share there. And I'm going to just transfer the uh, host. So in case my phone dies, we won't lose our stream. All right. Sweet. So we're going to move into um, an oracle um, for this new moon and kind of just ground us in and close us out. So don't mind me. I'm going to hop up and pick out what oracle wants to come through. I'm just going to leave the mic to you for a second. Um, maybe you want to share what deck you're working with if it's not the same deck. Yeah, uh, real quick, just to round out the moon cycle, um, because next time the podcast, it will be already winter solstice time, which is wild. So just real quick, two more um, important ingresses happening December 10th, Venus enters Capricorn following Mercury, which we talked about um, shortly after this full moon. And then uh, December 20th, Jupiter officially re-enters Aries direct. So just wanted to point those out as well. So towards the end of this lunation, when we're waning once again, we'll feel some of those, uh, those shifts. But I think that's really yeah. nice. Like Jupiter entering Aries right before the solstice will, um, I think, really help us keep those, this inner flame that we're talking about really well stoked when we're at the peak of winter. Um, so that being said, yeah, so once again, I'm working with this Sufi tarot pretty much for the first time. I tinkered with it a little bit last night. Um, so very grateful to be vulnerable and like use this and share with everyone. Um, yeah, so let's shuffle and see what we get. But just this is the cover of the book here. I love this art. And then the back of the cards are just really beautiful. So um, yeah, let's tap in and shuffle. And I'm just feeling in for a general card for collective guidance for this full lunation. Ooh. Let's pull it up. So we pulled um, Son of Staffs, which uh, in conventional tarot would be um, Prince or Knight of Wands. So more of this fire energy coming through. Mm. And I love that we got like a, a personified card for us to like really embody an archetype here. Um, so I'll just read from the book and get familiar with this new yummy tarot. The son of staffs is an energetic and rebellious free spirit <laughs> who tends to leap without thinking. A true representative of the dynamic energy of fire, he is fierce, daring, and passionate. In our card, we see him galloping in a spiral as he circles closer and closer into the heart of the flame, just like the moth in front of him. 
will he too be singed? While the metaphor of the moth and the flame for the Sufis has long con uh, connoted attraction to and union with the divine flame, in our image, it suggests an impetuosity. Mm. In his thrill-seeking behavior, he does not seem to notice where he is headed, putting himself and those around him in danger. Does this resonate with you? Is this someone in your life, a role that you play or a message? So yeah, I think this is kind of showing some of that shadow side of Sag potentially when we like act hastily and um, we're more reactionary than we are uh, a little bit more disciplined in our approach and our action and have that integrity. So um, I love this final question we landed on that. Uh, is this someone in your life, a role that you play or a message? So yeah, just being mindful. If we tend to be maybe the more hot-headed ones, this can be a really good opportunity to recognize that and temper it. Or if we are up against someone who maybe um, represents that in our lives, just uh, recognizing that. And then maybe it helps us take some of the, the heat um, a little more gently knowing that it's not really ours. And then there's just some contemplations and an affirmation included here, which I'm just noticing. So the contemplations for this card are how do I turn my ideas into reality? What is my relationship with moderation? That's really interesting with the themes of temperance. And the affirmation is I embrace my inner exuberance and use it to produce tangible results. Whew, that's in there. Just here's the artwork one more time. Imagine he went straight to the flame. Like, I feel like that awareness of moderation is speaking on that. Like you can circle a flame and get warm versus running directly into it. <laughs> yeah, you know? like, yeah. Like <laughs> when you fly too close to the sun. Yeah. Which like means like I'm invincible. I'm immortal. I can just be God. Like I can do whatever I want. Um, there are, there are like elements of balance, which is where that moderation comes in. Yeah. So some of us, like myself, I need a little bit more of this, just a little bit more of like the brazen audacity to get closer to the flame. But yeah, for some people, it might be time to back off a little bit. And then just enjoy the laps, you know, like enjoy the experience of like basically facing our fear. Mm. Yeah. And like this earth experience too, even in the winter when it feels really, really cold here, um, we're still rotating around the sun. So I think that remembrance is like nice too, that the laps, as you put it, the rotation. Yeah. Um, there's no rush, you know, yeah. there's no rush. And I feel like when we're, when we're acting, cause like Jupiter is about, um, moderation because it can be like a dissolving of boundaries, like a burning of boundaries, just, just kind of just becoming so wild that, um, it gets out of control. So, um, it's something we really didn't mention is like these qualities of Jupiter that are like, you know, like we need Saturn balances out Jupiter. And I think there's a lot of that in this lunation because we have Saturn at home 
Um, so I think we've all learned like the power of Saturn in its home sign over the last two, three years. Um, but we can just continue to recognize um, how moderation can make everything a lot more joyful. Cause I feel like for me, I want to introduce a lot of new things into my life to create balance and to be enjoying that lap around the fire. Um, but too much of these new experiences on my nervous system might take out, take away from the joy of it. Right. So just like embracing moderation, embracing how things build over time, um, rather than trying to do everything in one day or one week, or one month before the sun, like before the, before it's the winter. And I feel like there's this rush in sad season of like racing to the new year and finishing strong. And, um, yeah, like we, we can do everything we want. Um, we have a lot more time than sometimes we realize. Oh, and again, just playing on this interesting, like, uh, paradox theme of opposition that we're having. Um, like I know for myself sometimes, and speaking of time warps too, like sometimes I need a little bit more and I realize when I'm, my, my plate's a little bit more full, um, time actually does slow down and my days feel longer. So again, like the, just the opposition feeling into which side of the temperance, uh, you're falling on individually. Yeah. I feel like filling the day and moving toward things, um, can actually slow down time, which yeah, the season exactly. gives us. Whereas like in Scorpio season, everything's very fixed. We're like in our emotions, we're doing like shadow work, but now it's like, okay, like I'm ready to like do some stuff. I'm ready to take action. I'm ready to get the, feel the heat in my life. I spent so much of Scorpio season, like on my back and not in the fun way, <laughs> like just truly. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just saying. Um, yeah. So for me, like building this heat again is so needed. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to um, shuffle my deck too. I'm working with a goddess, gods, and guardians oracle. Uh, this is a new deck I got like two months ago. Um, and it's been to the Dominican Republic and back. So that's, that makes me feel a certain kind of way. Um, touching some elders there and deep indigenous roots. So yeah, especially with, um, uh, I'm looking at this woman and it just really makes me want to speak about indigenous people's day and just recognizing indigenous people. Um, I want to take this time to also mention that I am doing readings right now. And when you check out on my readings page, you can add any amount to your reading and I will be donating that to the IRIS Indigenous Collective um, to help uh, BIPOC in any way that they need and ways that I can support. So by working with me, I know Alula is open to doing this too till Friday. Like you can pay her her rate and then anything beyond that, you want to make a donation, we're going to be funneling that um, to IRIS or to BIPOC Alula, if, if you have, if you have someone, but that's sort of like what we're thinking is like, um, to just take this week in reverence of the people that have left us with so much wisdom and have been, um, the system works very hard, hard against them, um, in ways that are just beyond fair. Um, and this goes for many people all over the world. And I, I include us as, a form of indigenous people because we're in practice we are practicing um indigenous um healing 
spirituality, there's so many ways to like word it, but our practice is that of the indigenous. Um, and it's important to honor those that um, don't act within the mainstream and that that is something that actually we wanna uphold and honor and protect. Um, so I'm just gonna pull this with that in mind and um, holding any BIPOC in our audience um, that have experienced deep um, marginalization of their ancestors, um, immediate or local and just knowing that you have support with us and um, yeah we're also sending resources to support BIPOC around the world um, even uh, women in Iran or um, people in Ukraine um, people that are just trying to live where they're from and um, in a peaceful way because um, colonization money greed uh, control is what divides us all. So just calling in that energy of um, communion, union, um, and you know, collective responsibility. So um, I got the card, it's funny because all I'm talking about stuff is kind of shadowy, but we got Lilith, um, mm -hmm. face your shadow. Something really interesting that I noticed about this new moon is that it's actually directly opposite Lilith. Um, so <laughs> I will show oh, that. Well, she's in Gemini. Oh, yeah. I noticed that. And I don't really work with Lilith that often. Um, or I find that it's an archetype that I, I just personally want to do more like research on. Um, but it's not that complicated. Um, so or I'll put her up so we can look at it. Go ahead, love. Sorry, I'm just, she'll be at the beginning of cancer. So it'll be quincunx actually. So it is interesting. It's like the more shadow feminines in a blind spot. <laughs> um, yeah. I just wanted to say too, I mean, I guess that's, I want to tie that into like this, this, you know, this, this is work we should all be doing all year round and not just because it's indigenous people's day. So I just want to like highlight and acknowledge that and also just give deep reverence to so many lineages of indigenous people over the world that that never like broke that sacred ancient connection um mm. there's just something so uh, i don't even have words so pure so incredible about that yeah yeah so that's why um raising money through the end the irise collective is sort of um so exciting for me because it means protecting people in colonized situation situations, but also people that are still like free <laughs> that live so close to the land. And we want to protect that as much as we can. And then bring colonized people back to more of an indigenous way um, because it's really what our nervous systems are designed for. And that's how we all can thrive and support each other. Um, I really believe that indigenous people <clears throat> have a lot of the, the answers that colonized people um, struggle with. And um, it's just a matter of like bridging that gap. Um, so you're right, I don't know why, I, I don't know what I was looking at, but I was looking, when I was looking at a chart recently, it was like Lilith exactly opposite the transit. Um, but yeah, Lilith, I'm just gonna look from the book um, because it's fun to, you know, like read the actual artist's reference. Um, I love that guy is here. So face your shadow. 
Heal taboo emotions and step into the light. Lilith sees everything that you strive to keep hidden from view. Drawing this card shows that you've arrived at a point of significant transformation. Lilith meets you at a crossroads. She holds out her hand and says, your spirit vibrates with secret powers of the old. This wisdom yearns to be shared and used for rebirth in the feminine soul. The only way you'll access this power now is to face your shadow side. It's everything within you that has been censored, stifled, and denied. Your deep-seated rage, your crippling shame, your fathomless fear, your trauma and your wounds, your feelings of unworthiness. You've labeled these feelings as taboo and have never felt able to accept and work through them. Sometimes the forbidden shadow emotions leak out, leading you down paths of sabotage and self-destruction. Feelings of envy and self-pity hinder you. With me, you can release self-judgment and look bravely into your hidden self. I'll lead you into safe spaces where your secrets can be spoken. This will release enormous waterfalls of energy. It will unlock your creativity, potential, and passions. It will illuminate the divine talents that you've been keeping under wraps. Mm. You'll create your dreams, not because of luck, chance, or fate, but through realizing that all the power you'll ever need is within you. Don't be afraid. You are ready to shine. Additional meanings. Seek professional settings for thorough shadow work. And shadow energy is influencing the person or situation that you are encountering. The invocation is my shadow is my inner teacher. Um, Coming out of um, eclipses. um, I mean, one of the things for me um, that I realized today, um, I realized today that cannabis is completely legal in the place that I live. But I still, I still come onto this podcast, like afraid to mention anything about my love for, for cannabis and my use of it. This is just like one of the examples of how, um, fears that we've created from the past, past kind of, um, structures, like the government has said that this is illegal and you can't use it and it's bad for you and all this propaganda And I literally live in a place and many people today now live in places where it's completely legal and the fear of not talking about it, the fear of not associating with it due to the fear of judgment, um, limits so much freedom from me and my life and my expression. And there's just like so many analogies we can make of that. Like as we mature and as we age and as thankfully our collective ages and matures to allow for like real freedom of speech and real freedom of religion. Um, so yeah, that's one of the things that it's so funny. Cause I just felt this like need to use that as an example today is like, or even just to mention it, <laughs> um, cannabis is one of my great plant allies. Um, and it's something that I think the world needs more of <laughs> just in different ways. Um, so yeah, facing our shadow during this new moon. Um, Thank you, Lilith. <laughs> the new moon is with the ruler retrograde. So it does feel like whatever we're doing during this new moon does have like this element of like redeeming our shadow, like making a purpose to everything we've gone through with Jupiter and Pisces and it's retrograde. 
Yeah, and I think there's like a tenderness when we come out of the shadows once more, like that ebb and flow. Um, and getting back into the heart. Yeah, like the trust. Um, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> Just collectively, the more we can like give grace for one another's shadow, the quicker we'll actually get to our end goal of unity. But when there's so much like shame and blame and like we try to hide our shadow, we're just perpetuating the problem. Yeah, I wanna pull a rune as well. So I'm just gonna pull a rune. Um, this one's fun. The rune we got is um, Iwas, um, which means safety, denial, and defense. So interesting, so interesting, the themes of like creating safety in our day because like, like literally life is just a day passing right so like every day that's been passing in my life there's like similar themes that I'm just like having to wake up and and you know meditate on and um this feeling of like being safe and when we actually feel safe what does that actually create within us and when we don't feel safe we're pretty much denying our cosmic strength Whew. Yeah, my vision just got a little trippy. I'm like, wow, uh, things are activating. <laughs> um, yeah. So just, yeah. Um, yeah. There's the energy of defense in Iwas as well. And, and like Sag is very, um, it's a warrior. It's like, Aries evolved, you know, into this like horse warrior human. <laughs> so because we're like, we are as safe as we are capable of protecting ourselves. But when we put all of this, like just what you're saying about the plant medicine too, be like was illegal for a long time under the guise of safety, but it was yeah. safety because it was restricted and it was imposed and it didn't allow the purity of like what the plant medicine is capable of to shine through. So similarly, just like within ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Beautiful. Well, I, we've been live for a solid two hours. Um, we, re I really hope you all enjoyed um, the space. I know I did. And I just want to say that yeah, I, 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 I don't know. The world we live in today is um, vast and we have so many opportunities. So if you're here with us live and you're tuning in, like it means so much to us, let us know in the comments how this has resonated with you, if, if at all. Um, share with the people you love and, you know, work with us if you feel like you like the way that we work. Because um, I know in my search for support, um, there's a lot of healers around the world. Um, but it's, it's not, it's, um, it's hard work to show up. So, you know, if you're looking for people to do the hard work with, uh, Alula and I are here showing up, talking to the world because we know how powerful it is to, to do that. Um, and there's so much more that comes up on a personal level. So if you're looking for a way to understand yourself deeper with astrology we have spent 
um, a lot of our time with both Pisces or not Pisces, but Jupiter ruled second houses of what we value, like studying philosophy and studying truth and studying uh, wisdom and um, this wheel of fortune of life. So I'm really grateful, Lula, to offer you to the audience and to be in collaboration with you because it, it helps my practice as an astrologer. And you guys see, I'm really, um, I could come a lot more prepared. I can come with all my charts and as time passes and my life changes to create more space for that, I certainly shall. But I also really love being really um, loose and vulnerable and human um, with you in this process. And to show that astrology is not something that needs to be like complicated or you have to have tables memorized or every archetype, um, every story <laughs> that you can tell to honor a lineage. Um, I think just doing your best is how we empower each other. So, yeah. Beautifully said too. Like, yeah, I think the more, um, studious observation of transits is where astrology can really be a science and an observation of patterns, but yeah, I love our feminine flow together. So thank you so much for once again, welcoming me here. Um, and I, I think when we are more intuitive with it, it serves as more of an Oracle. Um, that being said, I know we're wrapping it up. I did just, while you were talking about Jupiter, I did just pull one more card for guidance. Just while we have these like last couple of, uh, moments with Jupiter and Pisces because we won't get it again for 18 years so um just for that so beautiful I pulled two of cups so sweet <laughs> so I'll just read the quick little paragraph here um for again for guidance for all of us collectively while Jupiter is still in Pisces for a few more weeks not even um, the two of cups is often called the card of soul connections it refers to a love that is eternal not fleeting or ephemeral what we see in this card is pure compatibility and an understanding that goes beyond physical love and even physical existence. This is a supportive loving union in which both partners allow themselves to be vulnerable, knowing that it is safe to do so. It is a way of love that has been called an alchemical marriage, an equal sharing and a joining of feminine and masculine attributes within both partners. So I just think it's interesting, Jupiter at the end of Pisces talking about all of this alchemy. To me, the, the partnership is within um, our, our light and our shadow, um, letting them be compatible in our earthly existence and seeing, again, the, the eternal side of that love. Uh, yeah. So thank you. Just wanted to share that. Thank you so much. Yeah, a lot of what I've been working with is trusting in that like eternal bond of the the karma in my life like not to fight my circumstance not to fight my resources not to fight um what i have but instead be really grateful for it and recognize its divine purpose and my divine purpose in relationship to it so if there is any opposition it's also part of that divine realization yeah so if you're contemplating anything in life and you need support um Alula and I love working through truth and feelings because like ultimately uh our health is stems from our ability to be honest with what we feel and brave enough to act so that 
we feel good all the time <laughs> and we're prosperous as a result. And when we um, work toward our karma, we work towards our vision, we're supporting so many people outside of ourselves. So we know that it's part of our karma to support people in this kind of dialogue. And that, that kind of dialogue supports many, many generations and people beyond our reach. So yeah, um, if you want to get a reading with us, we are raising money for Indigenous Peoples Day now through Friday. I would say like Monday because there's like the weekend, um, but I'm going to be promoting that um, if you want to book a reading with me. I have readings starting um, at $22 and they range. Um, I have a three package um, bundle where you can see me three times for 30 minutes. Um, that's a $111. And then if you want to donate anything above that, when you check out for readings, um, that will go directly to BIPOC of the IRISE Indigenous Collective, which you can read more about in the description of this episode. And also I'm going to drop the resource that Alula mentioned um, to see where you're living and um, what Indigenous people lived there before colonization took over the lands of America. I'm not sure. Is your resource global, Lula? I believe so. Yeah. I've only ever looked wow. at the North American sector, but I believe yeah. so. Yeah. So um, maybe you want to practice looking at where you live and what people were there and what their, what their customs were and how they are doing. Um, that's a really good way to support uh, Indigenous people and to, um, you know, balance the scales however we can in the present what we have. Yeah. Okay, well, um, head over to starryalignment.com to check out some updates over the next month. Um, I hope to have some more content with you before the month is over, but if not, um, please leave a review, subscribe, comment, uh, follow us on Instagram. Alula is at The Healing Muse and I'm at Starry Alignment. And until we meet again, may you live in alignment now and Always. <laughs> Love you. Love you. <laughs> Adios. Adios. <laughs>